Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. I have to sneeze. Hello and welcome to, to Dear Hank and John. Hank, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, it's just, I. it sounded like you just sneezed. I did. I'm sorry. It's never normal. It it's shouldn't not be condoned, normal. It's a concern. What happened? What happened happened. Give me we the backstory. We have to do the intro. How did this occur? It's a catastrophe. I don't know. We were just chatting, and then it was time to start the podcast, and and something got in there. Oh, no. Is it out? I assume so. I think you need to call Dr. Never Sneezer Scrooge and find out if you're okay. Should I start the podcast now? Sure. Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, yeah, I was. T- it's it's Valentine's Day this week. I was talking to Oren, and I, I was like, "I love you, buddy," and he said, "I love you too, Dad." And then I said, "That's great. I mean, they're an okay band, but I was more wanting to know what you thought about me." I love you too, Dad. Oh, I love you too, like uh, The Edge and uh, What's-His-Face. You thought of The Edge first. Yeah. That's great for The Edge. I'm happy yeah. for him. I feel like the other guy, Bono is his Bono. name. I feel like yeah. he gets a lot of the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. Did that joke need a little bit more U2 references in it to be understandable? Like I was standing by the did- Joshua tree. Uh, yeah, with or, my like, son. or like he said, I love you too, Dad. And I was like, I didn't ask what you thought about Bono. I asked what you thought about me. That's something that's to make closer. you. Yeah. I think that the problem might be in the, you know how people talk about a house having good bones? Doesn't have good bones. I think that joke might have had bad bones. <laughs> bad bones. <laughs> <laughs> this is something Sarah and I talk about a lot in like real estate and like houses that like some houses just have bad bones and like is not much you can do about it. Do you talk about do you talk about house bones a lot? That's a we little do. bit strange, John. I don't tend to think much about house bones. I really only care about the bones of one house. I know, but and I think there's a great luxury to be in that situation yeah. where I've got one. Yeah. And the bones and like seem it. fine. Yeah. Sometimes the wind blows and the bones talk to me, but look, yeah. that's true of my own bones as well. Sure. Especially these days. Yeah. I got anything your bones have been saying to you lately? Oh, just um just that they feel a little worked to the Oh, wow. My yeah. bones are like, if you could walk around on snow less, that would be great. Mm, yeah. I took a big fall yesterday. I was running. You did? Along the White River, and I took a really oh, significant running fall. Running falls are never good. It was one of those falls where I went, I had like five or six steps in that full Wiley Coyote thing where your legs are just <laughs> yeah, like moving as fast as they can fall. move. That was so funny. And so there That's was such like, a funny little gate where yeah. you just can't quite get your feet back under your center of gravity. Right. But there were probably two or three full seconds where I was like, I I can save this. I'm going to save this. And then there was like one second where I was like, I can't save this, but I, I have 
had all of this time to figure out how to fall. So uh-huh. that's good. And I'm going to yeah. do a good job of falling as well as I can. And then I got up and I was like, wow, did you do a bad job of falling? <laughs> it would have been hard to do worse. Like I got up and my knee was just, oh. just, I could, I could, t- when you, when I fall, while I'm running, I always get up and immediately start running again because there's so much adrenaline inside of me that I'm just uh-huh. like, and I was alone. So I was able to sort of like run and like yell at myself and yell at the universe. And I was just like, man, my knee hurts. I really, I really hope that sweat that's like dripping. <laughs> yes. Your knee just leg. got really sweaty. I really, just well, the one I knee mean, that my hurts body a was lot. Because it was sort of in a panic, you know? Yeah. And I was like, God, I really hope that's sweat. And I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to look because it doesn't do any good to look now. I'll look when I get home. And I got home and it was, it was like, it took me a while to figure out I didn't need to go to the ER because oh. it took me a while to like get everything cleaned up get, to where I could be like, oh, that's there. all right. Yeah, that's just, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what's going on there. I literally can't see it. It's under all of the out the stuff that should be on the inside being oh, on the outside. Oh, and like yeah. it didn't hurt. Like I I mean I ran for two more miles after I had this fall. That's wild. Because I well I had to. I was two miles well, away from home. Well, you could have probably could have got some I, some other way. I probably could have walked. Well, yeah, I don't know. I could have made a call. I guess I could have yeah. Ubered home. That would have been a little mm-hmm. weird for me though. I was uh, anyway. And I felt pretty I felt pretty good by the time I got there until I looked at it. It was like the classic kid thing where everything's uh, fine until crying. you see it. Yeah. And then I mm-hmm. then I start I was then I was like, oh no, I'm very badly injured. <laughs> well so, I'm, I'm, I'm but sorry I'm not, to hear that. I'm not actually badly injured. I was able to make it to the podcast and everything. That's great. I'm happy to have you here. All right, let's answer some questions from our listeners, beginning with this one about sneezes. Oh. It's from Sam who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm currently pretty congested and I'd like to sneeze, but I know that's weird and that sneezing is not normal and shouldn't be condoned. <laughs> I'm but glad I we a, fixed the world in this way. <laughs> I have a related question. Why uh-huh. can't I sneeze on command? If we could sneeze mm-hmm. on command, we wouldn't have to worry about doing it at an inappropriate time and we could get all decongested in private. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, you can definitely – like, you. Can, it's true. I mean – Wait, so you are, you, are you about to say that you can sneeze on command? Because that might be the only thing weirder than a physician <laughs> saying that sneezing is never normal. You can't, you kill, so you can't sneeze. You can't just like sit there and be like, I would like to sneeze now and make yourself sneeze. You can do a number of things that might make you sneeze. Um, I, I can make myself sneeze just by walking outside on a sunny day, for example. I mean, like, kind of. Every not time. Like, not reliably. Reliably. Also, if you like just snort some black pepper, you will sneeze every time. But that, this was a taskmaster task, which I loved, oh, where they had to they had task. to sneeze, and uh, everyone failed at it except for the person who just straight up snorted black pepper. And they sneezed. They sneezed, and it was not. It did not look like a pleasant situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, not to make this about tuberculosis. Um, but that is my inclination in every conversation these days. <laughs> it's interesting that in all of the talk about humoral flows and uh, making sure that, you know, the right amount of blood and phlegm and whatnot were coming out of the body or going into the body or whatever, that there wasn't that much focus on sneezing. Like, why did we waste all this energy on bloodletting with leeches when we could have been making people snort black pepper to get some of those sneezes out? Seems like a missed opportunity to me. <laughs> I mean, they probably did that. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I if that everything. was a common treatment, Hank, I would know about it. I know about okay. ru- rubbing buzzard fat onto your chest. I know about drinking human milk, which was a common tuberculosis treatment. Oh, wow. All right. Here's yeah. a, In my research on the thing that I'm working on right now, here's a weird one. So for 99.9% of human history... We knew that if we stopped breathing, we would die immediately. Yeah. Like everybody knew that. That was well known. And we had no idea why. And people right. just didn't think about it. Like we spent, you spend your whole life breathing and yep. never stopping. And then yep. you stop when you die. Yep. And then it's just sort of like, yep, that's the thing. So much so that the word 
respiration contains within it the word spirit or soul, and the yeah. word inspiration means to breathe in, and the word expire means to stop breathing. That's great. I'm going to use that. Please don't. It it's, please don't. It's in my tuberculosis thing. <laughs> There are not... there is a little overlap, and so we've got to be. Can I can I read to you? Uh, dang it! Can I read to you a passage from the Infirmities of Genius from eighteen thirty three? Okay. This was in an era when instead of being imagined as being kind of like um, mentally ill, artists were imagined as being very physically sickly. Oh, okay. Weird. It's part of the romanticization of, of tuberculosis. You know, Charlotte Bronte, even as, as she was suffering from tuberculosis and, and both of her sisters had died from it, writing that she was aware that tuberculosis is an attractive malady. There's just mm-hmm. a ton of that. But anyway, this thing from the Infirmities of Geniuses Illustrated is so good. And it's about authors, Hank. And we're both authors. So I thought that you would like this. There's a, de- there's a description of the, the authorial personality which features eccentricities of thought and action, waywardness, peevishness, irascibility, misanthropy, murky passions, and a thousand indescribable idiosyncrasies. And I read that and I was like, shut up. (laughs) It's none of your business. What do you know? What do you know? Infirmities of Genius Illustrated from 1833. Shut your mouth. I I don't talk to you like that. Well, uh, give me the give me the last three again. I think the most important ones are their waywardness, their peevishness, their irascibility, misanthropy, murky passions, and thousand yeah. indescribable idiosyncrasies. <laughs> murky passions is great. Murky passions is. You don't so really good. think of a passion as being potentially murky, but then now that you've said it, I'm like, yeah. I feel like in the 19th century, one of the biggest fears was a murky passion. <laughs> Like, oh boy, I don't want to have a kid with a murky passion. Right. Yeah, that's a potential catastrophe. For one thing, they're going to definitely get tuberculosis. I want him to have a fire in his heart and a light in his eyes. Well, that was the other thing, right? Is that people would be like, well, we all know that farmers have this natural fire within them um, because that's how, like, they stay warm in the cold weather. And so this is it, John. This it it comes back all the like the, it's always true. Never attribute to to anything what could be attributed to class. Yes. Oh, I mean that is uh, that is so true. And and by the way, there were what could be to to inequality and injustice. Yeah. yeah. Never attribute to race what can be attributed to racism. Never attribute to class what can be attributed to classism. Yeah. Um, yeah, there. Th- this was a common problem. And also, like, there were lots of people who were pointing out that it was a problem, right? So there were lots of people, for instance, there were lots of African-American physicians saying, actually, I think, because uh, at the time it was believed by kind of white society that black people couldn't get tuberculosis. And there were yeah, lots of sense. African-American <laughs> doctors that, that, that would be a thing. at the time who were like, uh, yeah, no, like lots of lots of people are getting tuberculosis. We're pretty pretty positive, pretty sure of it. And you know, with the farm farming thing, there were lots of people who were like, "Yeah, I mean, I I know a couple farmers who got consumptive, <laughs> and I know a lot more like consumptive people who were told by their doctors to go be farmers who like just just don't seem to have gotten better." Yeah. <laughs> so it's just so much of it is about who you listen to and making sure that you listen broadly. Yes, and that's not that's not easy. It's not easy. All the time. We have a natural desire not to listen broadly. So I get it. But it leads to a lot of catastrophes like this one from Elizabeth. Sorry, I'm, I don't know how to transition. So I just made one that didn't make any sense. Dear Hank okay. and John, I'm fresh off a of young people just don't want to work these days conversation. And I'm really tired and discouraged. How do you recommend addressing these comments in a way that helps people, especially older people, have a little more compassion for the struggles of the younger generation? Paychecks and provisions Elizabeth. A lot of, there's a lot of uh research that says that data doesn't help uh in in difficult conversations, but I think that this is one that is not yet hot enough for it to have gotten there, and I think that data can help in this situation. Yeah. And so the, there's some pretty easy 
uh, comparisons you can make between the the sort of like minimum wage uh, earned in 1980 and the cost of a house or the average uh, income and the cost of a house. Um, and, and you sort of say like the, the you know the, the it was the cost of a house would be like five yearly salaries and now it's ten or now it's fifteen or twenty I don't know what the exact stat is but to have one of those in your back pocket is always nice um, and also that the uh, a, a, another piece of very clear un you know reliable piece of data that people understand pretty well is that the unemployment rate is as low as it has ever been so if people don't want to work what why why are they all working? Yeah, I mean that's a good one. The one so. that I the one that I like to use is um, just so I can be clear. When was it that young people like to work? And what the person will say is inevitably when they were young. Yeah, <laughs> is when people like to work. And then what I like to say is it's interesting that you should mention the year nineteen seventy eight. Because in the year 1978, the U.S.'s labor force participation rate was lower than it is now. So I guess people didn't like to work that much in 1978 because fewer of them worked. Yeah, it's it's. I think that this conversation hasn't gotten so heated and isn't sort of like tied into people's identity as much. Yeah. Um, but but in yeah, I mean. It's very easy to have like a, to have, you know, like, and when we're older, we're going to think that we worked really hard when we were young and that people aren't working as much in the, in the future, then young people then also won't be working hard uh, or we won't think that they are. It's just, yeah. it's going to be a thing. It's always been a thing. Yeah. But I think that luckily this is an issue that isn't that tied in. I mean, it may be for some people, but isn't that tied into sort of like the heated topics of the day? There yeah. actually is space to just allow the data to tell the story and to I say, like, know. we've been keeping track of this stuff and like, here's the situation. And no, so if you're know. having an experience, that might be that one person. And uh, and that's certainly, uh, it's, it's uh, and I think, I think it's pretty harmful to be attributing to an entire group of people something that you noticed one time. Yeah, or something that you heard about on the news, which I think is right. actually what it's usually about. I think it's usually about the great resignation as a concept, right? Like mm -hmm. as an abstract yeah. idea. Which was more of like a thing that happened because they got we got a good word for it than be, than than that actually happened. Yeah. Or or I mean I think there's some legitimacy to the idea that a lot of people moved around in the wake yeah. of an earth-shattering social order upending pandemic uh, started to think differently about their priorities. That's mm -hmm. certainly true. Imagining that as primarily being about the way that people participate in the labor force is another example of a problematic way of thinking about human value. Yep. This next question comes from uh, Hannah, who asks, Dear Hank and John, John mentioned Ale 8 the ginger ale from Kentucky yeah. in the last episode of Dear Hank and John. Yeah. And Hank said that no one had heard of it. As yeah. a Kentuckian, I had no idea that people didn't know about Ale 8. It has been a staple of my household for years. But my question is, does every region have delicious secret sodas? Amateur soda connoisseur, Hannah. No. No, it really doesn't. Some do. Ale 8. There's a couple. Ale 8 is not just a Kentucky thing. It's a... Also a climbing thing. Like I was at a climbing gym oh, over the weekend with my kid and yeah. several people came up to me and were like, hey, I love that you mentioned L8 on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. That's so it's also, weird. but but that speaks, I think, to this emerging way of understanding regionalism, which is not geographic, but affinity based. So climbers have their own soda and Kentucky has its own soda. And I think that's interesting. But no, most regions do not have their own special soda. There was a special kind of Dr. Pepper in Denton, Texas until like 20 years ago, maybe. And it wasn't oh. that different from regular Dr. Pepper. It was like just... a little bit of a different one. What's yeah. the one that RC Cola? That's the one that was all around for but a RC while. But RC Cola is not really regional, is it? 
I mean, maybe. Eh, Mount, yeah, like, but like it, a big it was region. regional. Maybe Mountain Dew was regional. It was Mountain Dew was very much regional to the south. And then there's things like uh, I don't know how to say it. Is it Rabina, the Scottish one? Yeah. Remember, like we did a show in Scotland, and like people threw Rabina onto the stage. No, that was Iron Brew. Oh, that's what it is. What's Rabina? Is that also Scotland? Rabina. It was Rabina. Iron Brew, and was it? Yeah. Was it in Scotland? That was Scotland. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did not. I didn't love the Iron Brew. I feel bad. No, because it I made like... me. It made my taste buds think I can see this, but it made my body think no. Yeah, my body. Ow! Was, ow! My body pain. was on the move. <laughs> so feeling I, some things. I, yeah, I, I like. It was like my muscles didn't like it. Like my muscles got crampy. I think it was just too much caffeine for me. Maybe. I don't know that it even has caffeine. Rabina is a real thing. Uh, That's good. It's uh, it's it's a berry flavored. And it's from the United Kingdom, has British origin. Um, Iron Brew has quinine, the sure. uh, anti-malaria medication. That's a it's a, it. it's got a it's got a flavor that isn't isn't bad when mixed with sugar. Sure, yeah, it's sort of tonicy. Well, there you go. I can't really think of any other regional sodas though, not ones that are particularly good, at least that I've ever had. IBC yeah, there's all these like, there's like micro brew kinds of sodas now. Like you yeah. got like the fancy root beers that are just made in your town. But there's something to the like, there was the era when sodas were originally created and then like Coke and Pepsi won and then they right. bought up all the other ones and, and right. then they're, they're just cola companies. But there were a few that sort of held on. Yeah. And are like just hanging out being eight ale. ale and eight. that's weird. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and IBC root beer. And notably also... Uh, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is also f- remained free. And it has, it's still free. It's it's the Keurig Dr. Pepper company, which I think is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> so good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very weird thing to have happened. I know. I know. I know. I think what's, what's, what's funniest about it is that What's funniest about it is that Dr. Pepper didn't buy Keurig. Quite the opposite. Keurig bought Dr. Pepper. They were like, we want that. Which is just hilarious. We want that. Keurig existed for like 45 days before it bought Dr. Pepper. It's like AOL buying Time Warner. Wouldn't, if Dr. Pepper wanted to get bought, wouldn't one of the soda companies have bought them? That's very weird to me. I, Maybe Keurig wanted to get purchased by Coca-Cola, and so they were like, we're going to get Dr. Pepper, and then Coca-Cola is going to have to get the whole thing. Well, so before, just so you know, Hank, before Dr. Pepper was the Keurig Dr. Pepper, Pepper group, it was, of course, the Dr. Pepper Snapple group. Did, did something happen? No, it was, so Dr. Pepper, before being bought by Keurig, was bought uh-huh. by... Um, Snapple. Snapple. Remember when Snapple was a big deal? It was a big deal. Yeah. And so inside of the Keurig Dr. Pepper Snapple group, we have a huge <laughs> number of brands from Squirt. You remember Squirt? Uh-huh. They still got that. To Mott's Applesauce. What? To Hawaiian That's Punch. That's not even a drink. To Hawaiian Punch. To RC Cola. What? Yep. They're coming for you, Coca-Cola and yep. Canada Dry. Canada Dry. Any minor soda that feels like early 20th century, Big Red, Sunkissed, oh, wow. A&W, Big Red. all of these are part of the Dr. Pepper Snapple group. Schweppes. Yeah. Yoo-Hoo, also very sort of early, been around. Oh, I love a Yoo-Hoo. IBC. I love oh, and the Zients, that Zients stuff, I've never tried that, but I see it at the gas station. Yep. Yep. So there you go. It really is. It's one of this, the- John, we're going to, we have to make a company that gets bought by Keurig Dr. Pepper. This is our new goal. Well, hey, And it's going to be Fiber Supplement. No, we already have two companies, right? Like, why don't we just sell one of them to the Keurig Dr. Pepper Snapple group? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, it's hey, gonna be you the, guys ever the, you guys thought about educational content at all? Yeah, get into the educational media industry. Have 
I told the story on the podcast of my catastrophic um, interaction with the Dr. Pepper Snapple group. I think no, I what have, did you right? do? I forgot. I had a meeting with Dr. Pepper. They were very excited to meet with me as a celebrity uh-huh. Dr. Pepper fan. They were like, we can't wait for this meeting and all of your ideas about how we could deepen our relationship. And I was like, mm-hmm. I also can't wait for this meeting. I've never been so nervous in my life. <laughs> Get on the call. And within like four minutes, I've given them 17 ideas. I'm like Hank Green delivering new ideas. I've got a new idea every five seconds, each of them weirder than the last, because I said, listen, I do have some ideas, but they're all weird. And Dr. Pepper was like, we're so excited about all your ideas. And the weirder, the better. And then I told them my (laughs) ideas and they were like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those are all way yeah, you've taught you have told me about this. I love I love this though. This is exactly what happened with me and Metamucil. <laughs> I know, I know. They like, they were like, no, you don't understand, Hank. Yeah. No one is like you. Yeah. Like your audience, you've got all of them. You've already yeah. got every single person who's that weird. Yeah, exactly. That's that's ex- that's exactly right. So like so they just want you to like voice over the commercials. And I'm like, well, that's I'm sorry. But that's not interesting at all. Like then I'm just the spokesperson for a sugar water company. Like, yeah, that's not funny. You know, no, what's it's funny. Not. <laughs> you know, that's what's not funny, funny is spending ten million dollars to get AFC Wimbledon promoted. <laughs> and in every single interview, no matter where. Mm-hmm. Every single time, every single player has to mention Dr. Pepper. That's <laughs> hilarious. It's especially funny since Dr. Pepper isn't even a very strong brand in the United Kingdom. That they're, is they're like, this is not this is not a good idea. And you're like, but it's so funny. Do you First agree off, at least that it's very funny? It is a good idea. Like, it is so worth $10 million. Like Dr. Pepper spends $10 million on like a Super Bowl ad. It's so worth $10 million for Dr. Pepper to be in the hilarious position of like supporting a football team entirely because every single interview, the players have to say thank you to Dr. Pepper. Like that is so funny. The super cut that they make on TikTok of every AFC Wimbledon player thanking Dr. Pepper. It's gold. It's gold. It's a $10 million idea. No doubt. And it gets AFC Wimbledon up to the third tier of English football. Everybody wins. <laughs> I, I don't know. They might understand their business better than you do, but I don't know. Maybe not. I've got another idea real quick. just want to pitch it to you. you uh, so you actually pitched that idea to them for the AFC Wimbledon thing? Yeah, that's a hilarious idea. Okay. Can I tell you one of the other things that I pitched them? I think I've talked uh-huh. before about how I really thought Dr. Pepper should sponsor humanity's relationship with the moon. Okay. But that wasn't my best idea. Last one. My best idea was that the spokesperson for Dr. Pepper should be Henry VII of England. And <laughs> it, yeah, I can see this. And he would that's like, more That's more normal. He would just be like, listen, I live in the 1500s. I'm the richest, most powerful person in the world. And all I want is what I can't have, mm-hmm. which is Dr. Pepper. I mean, I it's like- I cannot know it's, the yeah, pleasure. You, I cannot know the joy of yep. an artificial taste, utterly artificial, radically artificial, some would argue, an anti-natural taste, which is the other thing I kept trying to sell them on. Stop trying to act like Dr. Pepper tastes like anything <laughs> of this world and lean into its radical artificiality. Yeah. Henry this is seven. just chemicals. That's what people love. Yeah. It's going to be Dr. Pepper. Just, just chemicals. chemicals. Just chemicals. Chemicals, by the way, that Henry VII would have started wars to be yeah. able to taste. Uh-huh. Chemicals that would have been unimaginable to our forebears. Chemicals that all those people, the 93 billion people, now I'm really getting into it, Hank, the 93 billion people who came before us but are no longer here, who built the world in the hopes that one day their great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren could live in a world where for 50 cents you can taste something that is not of this planet. 
That's what Henry the Seventh would say in my Dr. Pepper. You could write some. You could write some killer Dr. Pepper ads that I think would maybe alienate a fair amount of the Dr. Pepper audience. But I don't know. That maybe seemed not. to be their concern. That seemed to be their concern. <laughs> I love that though. I do now. I am sort of like very deeply grateful for my ability to have a Lacroix. You know. Oh, well. Don't tell that to the Dr. Pepper Snapple group where they're going to pick up LaCroix. No no worries. Ah, snap them up. No, they got to wait till like LaCroix is on the down part of its wave. That's when uh-huh. the Dr. Pepper Snapple Curry group jumps in. <laughs> LaCroix is already owned by the National Beverage Corporation. Well, I mean, you don't, you don't think that the Dr. Pepper Curry Snapple group could add another name to its name? Yeah, though well, yeah, the uh the, the only big brands that that NBC has are LaCroix, Shasta and Fago. But they do have this, John. Their Fago. Nasdaq ticker, their Nasdaq ticker is FIZZ. Fizz. That's good. Whoever did that, that's the that's the greatest asset of of them. Yeah. Fizz. Fizz. I love that. They also own a own a brand called Rip It. <laughs> is that like their Mountain Dew competitor? Their like Monster Energy drink is called Rip It. Yeah, fully, fully half. Uh, it's it's Rip It Energy Fuel, which oh, is not yeah. how it works. Fully half of their brands are red on Wikipedia, like they like R E D. They do not have a link. <laughs> They're like, if, it, if you uh... want to write a if you want to write a story about uh, Ritz the soft drink, you can if you want. Nobody has written that article yet. One of the uh, brands owned by Dr. Pepper is called Deja Blue. Ooh. Fancy. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, we suppose, we're supposed to answer questions in this podcast, Hank. Not pitch, yes, doc- do that. Not pitch your concepts to Dr. Pepper. Mm-hmm. All right, Hank. This question comes from Anonymous who writes, I heard you're now offering decaf coffee at the Awesome Coffee Club. That's cool. But when are you going to make tea? Ooh, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I love tea so much. I do too. I love tea. I want to make tea, but you got the loose leaf. You got the pre-bagged. Yeah. Pre-bagged. You've got mm-hmm. the people who like their chamomile, people who like their black teas. There's a lot green of tea. It's, it's just a- There's really just, there's three kinds of teas, John. Okay. There's green tea. Pitch it There's to black tea. Yeah. And there's like all the weird things that people are up to. Okay. All right. Those so are the three types of tea. One green tea, one black tea, and one, and we call it a weird tea that represents what people are up to, which is maybe like a different tea every every month. That's like a herbal tea. Maybe yeah, that's actually kind of that's not what I was thinking. Uh, I feel like you just had that idea right then, and it was really good. That's actually uh, really good because because like if you like something with rooibos in it, yeah, you don't want to have the same tea every day. No. Whereas I like black tea. And I would like to have the same tea every day. Okay. All right. So we've but, got- uh, But if you if you got a bunch of like flowers in your tea, mm-hmm. then you don't want the same tea every every day. You want right. a bunch of weird stuff. You want a tea of the month club. All right. Yeah. So then we've got three products, but we don't have three products because we got to go bagged and unbagged, right? We got to go loose and bagged. So we got six products. That's a lot of work. And I don't know if we have, do we have 2,000 customers for each of those six products? That's not I don't know, man. I think that I, I think that we've I think there's a different I think there's a different path that we have to start looking at here. I think it's starting up a bunch of clubs. We can't with it eventually it's just we can't be doing a everything as a different club. Right. Gotta find a I gotta find a different way if we're gonna keep keep trying to add add things to satisfy people's needs for quality products with trusted supply chains that have positive impacts on the world and donate all their profit to charity. Yeah. It gets, the size of the idea gets pretty big pretty fast and that's intimidating to me. And so I'm just going to go straight to the sponsors, which is the Awesome Coffee Club's decaf. The Awesome Coffee Club at awesomecoffeeclub.com. Now we have decaf. It's not really a joke sponsor. It's kind of a real one. This podcast is also brought to you by all of the people who are going to come for me for the way I pronounced Roy Boos, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is not pronounced like that, yeah. but I've never heard it spoken. I've only seen it on the T's. I've always thought that it was Rhombus. 
But but thank you to all of those people who are going to come for me for my pronunciation of rooibos. Uh, and of course, today's podcast is brought to you by the Dr. Pepper Keurig National Beverage Corporation Company Limited Liability Corporation. Fizz. <laughs> The, the best deal on the stock market. And finally, this podcast brought to you by Snorting Black Pepper. Snorting Black Pepper, you are in charge of when you sneeze. Don't let your body tell you <laughs> don't let, what's don't. up. You you own that body. That's not, it doesn't own you. Don't let big sneeze tell you where and how to sneeze. <laughs> Subscribe to the awesome Black Pepper Snorting Club at awesomeblackpeppersnortingclub.com. <laughs> the URL is available. <laughs> You can't buy Hank.com, but you can buy awesome <laughs> Black Pepper Snorting oh Club. God, can we talk about what happened to Hank.com? That's incredible. I mean, I really feel like I am I don't like to make myself the hero. Yeah. But I killed Hank.com. All You're the by myself. villain. You're not the hero. You obviously are not are not anything but the villain. The villain, eh? <laughs> I like well, that you even more. Hank. <laughs> So uh, what, I don't know what's going on with Hank.com right now. All we know but, is that Hank and I made some good old-fashioned fun of the world's greatest website, Hank.com. And yeah. the creator of Hank.com seems to have taken down the website in response, which is devastating. Devastating. Yeah. Because it was a great website. And it couldn't have been. Oh, my God. It couldn't have been the cost of hosting because that website is four kilobytes big. Well, a gajillion it did, it did people go could down visit for that website while. and nothing bad would happen. <sighs> yeah. I I feel bad. I hope Hank the of Hank.com doesn't hate me now. Um I hope that we're still on good terms. But I could not afford the price that he wanted to charge me to buy it. Oh well, I looked up the price and I also can't lot. afford it. And I can afford a lot of things. <laughs> uh yeah. I was like yeah. I was like, this is a great joke. It's not a six-figure joke, you know, like yeah. me buying yeah. Hank.com and then banning you from using it is hilarious. <laughs> That's a great joke. It, it, can't, it can't cause – It's a great bit. It, but, it can't have a comma. Like exactly. It, can't, it, can't, it's not, <laughs> it can have it – can, it can have a comma. It can. Yeah. That joke. Okay. That's wow. A four, it could have a comma. That's a $4,000 joke. I would pay $4,000 okay. for that joke, wow. knowing that I could probably better, yeah. get that $4,000 back by selling Hank.com to some <laughs> other Hank. Yeah. Oh, my God. To have had Hank.com. We also have a Project for Awesome message. This is from Mom and Dad and Baton Rouge to Oliver. What, what do you call an extraterrestrial kangaroo? A Mars soupial. This was good. the first joke that you ever wrote. And what comedy gold. We've greatly enjoyed your prolific works of short stories and screenplays over the last several years. And we are very proud of the writer you are becoming. Keep asking questions, actively listening, and finding humor and empathy everywhere. High school's going to be great. Mom and dad. Mars soupial. That's good. Mars soupial. It is good. That's the kind of energy I want you to bring every week. That's my bad. I should we, I should consult Oliver. You should. You should. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different. 
and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order, plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. So listen, your toilet is massively gross, like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet, Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. This question comes from Jem, who asks, Dear Hank and John, in your recent video about the deep sea exhibit at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, you mentioned that creatures don't need to be stored at the same pressure as the deep sea because if they're brought up slowly enough, they're able to adjust. Does that work the opposite way? If I were in a submarine and it ruptured would it, quickly, I would be in a lot of trouble. But if I went down real slow, would I be okay and could I survive assuming, assuming I have enough oxygen? What a gem. Great. That's good. Um, uh, Gem, no. <laughs> Don't so do that. The, 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 we got a couple of problems, specifically the air that's inside of us. So you yeah. got to have air inside of you, which is why in like um, some, some science fiction, uh, they breathe in like a liquid breathable thing. Right. And that would allow for your lungs to get the oxygen, breathing this liquid thing without air, which is very compressible. Oh, so what's air that can movie? squeeze very tightly. It's the abyss. The abyss. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, and that's real. Like, we can make breathable liquids now. And we've tested them for various situations where um, people's lungs are damaged, actually. More more for in-hospital situations where their lungs are damaged and having them be in a liquid could actually be therapeutic. But it turns out it, while people can survive and and be fine. It doesn't seem to have much therapeutic value. Yet, I don't know. There, it, It's a script that is uh, maybe in the works since I show, and so we've, we've been looking at it. But the uh, the it's it's cool, but m- the big problem is that uh, air is compressible, and so your anything that would have air in it um, would get squished. Now, you also do want to go down very slowly when you're going to any depth because there's nitrogen in your blood, uh, there's in and like there's oftentimes nitrogen in the in the air that you're breathing. Though sometimes you can have scuba tanks that don't have nitrogen, and that can dissolve. And the higher pressures will dissolve more nitrogen in your blood. And then as you come up, the pressure decreases, and that nitrogen will no longer have a force dissolving it in your blood, and it will create bubbles. And then you have the bends where you have air in your blood vessels, which is very bad. But that's a separate problem from you cannot go to a certain depth in the ocean because you have. Um, gas inside of you, and that gas will compress to the point where you no longer uh, will be able to breathe. So let's try to avoid that party, Jim. Yes, it's neat though. We have another and those question. fish that they and the fish and jellyfish and stuff that they have at the Monterey Bay into the deep exhibit um, are all animals that don't have gas inside of them. Because mm. there and there are deep sea animals that do have gas inside of them, and you cannot bring them up. Mm. Interesting. All right, we have another question from Ori who writes, Dear John and Hank, my 10-year-old daughter Ori is a new nerdfighter and has the following question for you. If people say things are going south when something bad happens, why don't they say things are going north when something good happens? <laughs> Ori and Rachel. I I think we should, for, I think we got to get rid of this whole idea, idea that south is down and north is up. As you know, Hank, mm-hmm. I think we need to just do away with it. I think we need to start saying going north when things are going south and going south when things are going north. I think we need to... Well, there is a way in which that makes sense. Actually, are you ready to get your mind blown? Yes. The North Pole Uh is a South Pole. What, what? 
So then a compass needle uh-huh. is an is the north part of a magnet, is the part that points north. Uh-huh. And the north part of a magnet points to is attracted to the south pole of another magnet. And the earth is a giant magnet because it's got lots, lots of stuff flowing around on the inside. So the earth is a giant magnet. Uh-huh. And the and the north compass needle points to what what does a north compass needle point to? The South Pole. A South Pole. But it's Which pointing is north. The North Pole. We the north call pole it the North Pole. Is a south but it pole. is a South Pole. Yeah. So it's we need- the South Pole of the giant Earth magnet. So you're right. <laughs> but also everything's subjective and there is no up and down. The solar yeah, system doesn't really have a top for, or bottom. I really ba- I feel bad for Ori having to tell them the big news that there is no <laughs> up or down or left and right except insofar as you're obs- you're observing it as y- as you are. Yeah. And that matters. So your left is left of you, but it's not left. Well, the weird thing is that we extend this out to the whole rest of the solar system. And yeah. so, like, we've got a top of Earth. Uh-huh. And also, we've decided that there's a top of Jupiter. Totally. And there's a top of the sun. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. That's why that Jupiter storm is always in the same place, even though it's not. Like, I mean, well, it is always in the same place. But, like, it whether it's up or down is 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 in our minds. Yes. Yes. The part of the planet. Because it is, it is on in the southern hemisphere of Jupiter, I think. Um, just and the, so it, yeah, yeah, just below. Uh, and so I think that we sort of think of it as being like on the bottom half yeah. of Jupiter. Yeah. Uh, but the the weird thing is that there is, so the the solar system and Earth does have like two sides. There is like it's a flat thing, so just like a piece of paper. There's a side side. There's one side and there's another side. And it seems like you can't have a, like sides without having one be the top side. Hmm. Ori, we don't know the answer to your question. Is this a problem with my we brain? Don't the, we don't. Uh, that that got that got too deep for me, Ori. I got kind of. <laughs> I got. I started to feel a little vertigo. Sorry, you're kind of upside down. Hank, before we get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I just want to say uh, one thing about uh, two or two things. One about a number of emails that we received. Uh, so my first novel, Looking for Alaska, came out almost 20 years ago, and it's uh, recently been targeted for removal from a lot of high school English curricula and also from school libraries. And the most extreme example of this so far is that a parent uh, filed a police report uh, saying that a teacher who'd made this book available had committed a crime, a felony, by distributing obscene material to children. And uh, which would also make me guilty of a felony creating that obscene material for children. And uh, it's a very weird time in my life professionally. The it it, it is weird to have this happening with a book that that's that's 20 years old and um, has been, you know, very generously received uh, over the years. It's just a strange situation, but I do appreciate your kind words about it. And uh, the main thing is that I am not the main character of of those stories. The, the teachers and librarians whose careers are affected are are the main characters. And so if this is happening in your community and there are ways that you can support those teachers and librarians, um, that would be the kindest thing that you could do for me. I just think in addition to being um... – you know, like I, I, like I can get really hot about this. It seems very extreme to me, but it also seems like ridiculous. It seems, yeah. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous. It seems like it's... people have gotten really disconnected from reality, and yes. not not a lot of people, but pe- but people who have support and have community around this stuff. And it's 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 like I don't like. The, the fact that we have to take it seriously is wild, and of course we do, but it also, like, there, there, it should be said that it's just very silly. Like, these people, and like, it, it comes, like, it's the same with the freaking M&Ms being part of the discourse. It's just yeah. ridiculous. People, like, are not connected to things that actually matter. 
No, it's definitely silly, lives. but it but it does really matter when a teacher is forced yeah. out of their classroom for three weeks and is subject subjected to multiple interrogations in a police department related to uh, making books available to kids. Um, so we do have to take it seriously because of that, because it's affecting real people's real professional and personal lives in such intense ways. But it's mm-hmm. obviously ludicrous. I mean, I've read Looking for Alaska, not recently, <laughs> but it's not just to state the obvious, like it's not pornography. And like mm-hmm. nobody who reads it would conclude otherwise, <laughs> you know, like period, period. Yeah. A- a- and so, you know, taking it to that extreme where you're subjecting somebody to potentially, you know, catastrophic consequences for making a book available is, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, but it's also kind yeah. of terrifying. There's there's something about our, our moment where the ridiculous and the terrifying are have intertwined in some ways. Speaking of the ridiculous, several people have written in as well, Hank, to talk about 16 Weeks to Glory, my idea for mm-hmm. a um, streaming show. It wouldn't stream yep. on Netflix. It would stream on Dropout or something um, yep. in which you and I train hardcore for 16 weeks, 16 Weeks to Glory, and at the end of it, we box each other. And lots of people have said that they don't like that idea, <laughs> almost universally. <laughs> yeah, like me, for example. You yeah. don't like that idea. Our spouses don't like that idea. And for that matter, our community <laughs> doesn't like that idea. The only person who likes that idea is the guy who was bookless boxing reviewer in 2003. But (laughs) Joshua has written in to say, 16 Weeks to Glory is, of course, a phenomenal idea. You need a goal, a glory that is as funny as boxing, but not as violent and dangerous. The answer is the world's largest obstacle course. And I'm interested. (laughs) (laughs) I also, like, like, because... Part, partly because an obstacle course, the obstacles can be anything. They could be anything. It could be. They can be chess. chess. Whoa! Did we just think of chess <laughs> at the same time? How did that happen? I don't even the know the rules time. of chess. I don't even know how the I night don't really moves. either. Why did we talk about chess at the same moment? <laughs> and like, like they could. It could be like you have to. The the game of chess has to end. Yeah. So you don't have to win. It just no, has to end. You so you can to, like yes, have to. Yes. <laughs> You have to play both sides, and you have to get to a resolution, right? Like, oh my god, that sounds miserable. I, it, it is very possible, by the way, that I would I would end up drawing myself. I would like after forty five yeah. minutes, I would be like, "Well, I guess it's a tie." <laughs> yeah, the end game. I'm just not strong in the end if game. Somebody had just told me how the king moves. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, it could be. So it could be a mix of physical obstacles and psychosocial mm-hmm. and emotional obstacles. Like maybe. Oh, emotional obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. You have to like is... stand there while your friends compliment you. Yes. Or. It's very awkward. Yeah. 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 You got to say uh, like three things sincerely about yourself that you that you've ooh. learned that you love during the 16 weeks. Oh, that's great. That's uh how about how about this one? You have to say an adjective and we're not telling you which adjective it is. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Just back to the other idea that we had that was bad. How Okay. Okay. I or you have it. to name a US president. Smaller group. Name a US president, but we it, it, it's but one of them, but we're not going to tell you which one. And you you're don't just know like Millard Fillmore. <laughs> no, the great thing about that is that like if you know the obstacles in advance, you can train on them, right? So like you're oh, training. I think some of them should be surprises. Okay. I love the idea of like training on the fastest oh, tra- chess <laughs> resolution. <laughs> oh, oh, or you you train on the how to say the presidents most quickly. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's not maybe it's not alphabetical. Maybe or maybe it's not chronological. Like maybe yeah. maybe what you actually have to do is say the presidents with the shortest names first. Ooh, I've got an them. idea for a great obstacle. Okay. Um. S- Something impressive that the other person doesn't know about you. So we have to like create a skill that we oh. didn't have before 16 Weeks to Glory. Right. Where you have to like play the Star Spangled Banner on the flute. 
Yeah, you've yeah, got to be Pia with the violin. You got to be Pia with the violin. You got to have like a secret snake handling it's... skill that you haven't told anybody about. <laughs> that's a separate. That's a separate old joke. And that one, snake, the secret snake. That one, it, it's not like you got to like race through all of these. Like that one, maybe would be crowd. Yeah, voted, yeah. You, you get know? points. So like it would be like, well, I actually think that like Hank learning to play the flute was less impressive than John learning how to charm a cobra. <laughs> <laughs> all right um the, the, that's great john so, for, for the, i love to fantasize about the things that we definitely can't do anytime soon i don't know man i feel like i feel like if we just kind of collectively agree to clear the decks and prioritize our physical psychological and intellectual well-being in 16 weeks to glory i feel mm-hmm. like good things could happen the world's weirdest. It doesn't have to be the longest obstacle course because there's all those like mud, those like mud run races. Oh yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking it's the world's the weirdest, the world's longest inflatable obstacle course. Not <laughs> oh. not any mud races. <laughs> there should be an inflatable obstacle course. Obstacle course portion. Yeah, exactly. But it shouldn't all be yeah. inflatable obstacle course, and it should. It, mm-hmm. And 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 it should be some kind of point system where a lot of it's timed, but not all of it. Right. Yeah. So like there are points where the timer stops and then you like get time to do something. Right. It's like the Iditarod. Like you've got to you you right. have to take some rest periods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a multi-day <laughs> obstacle course. It's like a three-day, yeah. sixteen hours a day obstacle course. Great. I this is such a funny idea. And like it would honestly not be a bad Netflix show. I mean, I agree. I think that is probably the funniest idea we're going to get because, like, it allows for a lot of different funny ideas. Yeah. Could we just go to wherever they film Wipeout <laughs> and have that be part of it? <laughs> just, just assume that it's, like, still there but sort of in a slightly decayed way, like yeah. one of those theme yeah. parks part that's of the been obstacle abandoned for you have 20 to, years. You have to break into the Wipeout course. <laughs> <laughs> obstacle one. <laughs> Make your way into the Wipeout zone. Oh man, we have to pick a lock. <laughs> I'm in trouble. If we've got to pick a lock, I actually I I retire. It's not going to be me. I'm not going to win. I've it seen if we that have to pick lock, a lock. lock picking lawyer guy do it. It looks very easy. Uh, yeah, it does look easy when he does it. All right, Hank, it's time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. The news from AFC Wimbledon is that AFC Wimbledon lost a football game, but I have to say we wa- I watched the game and we looked. We're up against the best team in the league, Leighton Orient. Mm-hmm. We looked. Now they have had two losses in their last five games, so they're not like on a tear or anything. I thought we looked pretty good. I thought we were a little unlucky to lose. I was very frustrated that we didn't finish a couple chances, and being frustrated about losing to the top team is a is a reasonably yeah. good sign. I think. Mm-hmm. So the most important, the headline remains. AFC Wimbledon, 15 points clear of relegation with 18 games to go. We probably need like four more wins in those 18 games in order to stay mm. up. So I feel pretty good about that. I feel that like we can like do it that. happen. And yeah. so. Be hard to lose all of them. Well, tell that to us last season. <laughs> you did lose a lot in a row. Yeah. We didn't win a game for like 283 days. Yeah. So anything's possible, but we're in 12th place (laughs) with uh, 18 games to go. Looking pretty good. All right. Well, in Mars News, a Curiosity rover has found a meteorite. Oh, boy. Which the team has named Cacao. Uh, It's about a foot wide. It's a big meteorite. It's a big chunk, and it's standing out a lot from its surroundings because it is made of metal. It's mainly made of iron and nickel, and so it is like gray almost shiny, like it's a big lump of metal. Uh, the, the team released a photo of it, which is really pretty. You can see all of its like grooves and pits, which are called regmaglypts. Uh, the regmaglypts form when cacao was going through Mars's atmosphere and the hot gas melted the rock as you, it uh, came through the atmosphere. Yes? You thought Hank's pronunciation of roibus was bad. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I definitely know Roy. how I said Roybus was wrong, but Regmaglyptes I might have got right. 
we don't know how long since it's been since that uh, meteorite arrived on Mars. It's uh, one of a few mo- meteorites that the rover has found since landing in 2012, including the uh, uh, including the 2016 golf ball-sized meteorite that was named Egg Rock. And it's easier to find meteorites like on cacao Mars. I like a lot more than I like Egg Rock. <laughs> yeah, I feel I like agree. they really stepped up their game between Egg Rock and Cacao. <laughs> they realized that people were paying attention. Yeah. So it's it's easier to find meteorites on the surface of Mars because there's no uh, there's not as much stuff happening. There's not like water flowing around, and there's yeah. not as much geology. Just like uh, it's easier to find meteorites when you're on Earth. The easiest place to find meteorites is Antarctica because not a lot of waterfalls there. The snow falls very slowly. It's it's basically a desert, and also it's very white. So anything that you find there had to get there somehow. So if it's if it's there, it's probably a meteorite, which is wild. Or human trash. It could also be human trash. Could be both. Could be a meteorite I didn't want anymore. John, thanks for making a podcast with me, as always. Um, we're off to record our Patreon-only podcast, This Week in Stuff, which you can find at patreon.com slash John, where we're going to talk about you know, things that made us uh, happy this week, hopefully. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Brooke Shotwell. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.